So this story is, is centered around John the Baptist. Everybody know who John the Baptist is? He was that Baptist preacher over here on 3rd Street in the corner. John the Baptist is, listen, he was the preparer of the way, the Bible says. Right? Also, before we get started, I want to thank you all, too, for your prayers for us and our family. Um, my wife and I, we got back late Tuesday evening. We did go. We finally made it back down to Mississippi to get my mother-in-law. So she is home with us. Um, praise God. Amen. So thank you for your prayers for that as we, we move our, our lives and our family into a, to a different phase. But, but I did want to, want to touch base with that. You know, and, and thank you guys for that because I know you all been praying for us, too. But this story is centered around John the Baptist, and, and John was the preparer of the way, the Bible says. He, he was the third cousin to Jesus. John was the only son to Zacharias the priest and to, um, and to Elizabeth, his mother, and they, they were barren. Okay, the Bible says they were barren. They couldn't have kids, so they ended up having John at a very, very late age, their old age. He was a miracle birth, right? And we have something amazing in this story, all right? John is baptizing people in the Jordan River, okay? Y'all know the story. Everybody's following me with this right now. Sunday school stuff we learned when we were, I didn't go to Sunday school. I read it in the Bible. Um, but listen, he's, he's baptizing people in the Jordan River, okay? And one day, his third cousin, Jesus Christ, shows up on the shore of the Jordan River, right? And, and can you imagine that? Can you, can you imagine getting to baptize Jesus, you're getting to baptize God incarnate. I mean, it's God in the flesh. Like, I've done a lot of baptize. I've baptized a lot of people, right? But could you imagine baptizing God? I mean, for real. Like, what a... So, so, so he, he's, he's standing out there. He's baptizing people. And, and Jesus comes walking up. The Messiah comes walking up on the shore. And you can imagine, you know, John, he's... Oh, my gosh. There's, it's Jesus. Right? Could you imagine? I mean, for real. And so the Bible says, John, John he, he tried to get out of it. He did. He tried to get out of it. And he's like, wait a minute. I, I shouldn't be baptizing you. He said, you should be baptizing me. Right? He's like, I, I, and, 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 and Jesus said, no, you have to baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. Right? That's what the Bible says. It says, you have to baptize me to, to fulfill all righteousness. And he, he tried to get out of it. And, and, and John the Baptist has this amazing responsibility right? He's got this, this, this amazing privilege of introducing to the whole world in John chapter 1. Look at verse 29. In John chapter 1, verse 29. That's not where we're going. I want to show you this, though. See, everybody's flipping in their Bibles. Let's go. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He has this amazing privilege. Well, listen, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw this out here. So, so in, this, in this scripture right here, if, if you go... Okay, so John the Baptist is baptizing, and, and he's baptizing Jesus, right? And the heavens open up, and God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Three of you read your Bible. Okay, it's the place in Scripture where the Trinity is together at one time. Have you ever thought about that? God the Father, and he said, whom the Holy Spirit lands on like a dove. So you have God the Father, the heavens open up, he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit comes down, so you have God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Trinity is together in one place right there in the Bible, okay? And, and so, so anyway, that's, that, that was free. So it was at that point, though, that Jesus' identity had been revealed to the world, right? The heavens opened up. 
He says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. They had thought he was teaching in, a, you know, in the temple when he was a, a child. And people were like, oh my God, who is this? Who is this? But it was at that point that his identity was revealed. And John had the amazing privilege of telling him, right? It was up there. I know, I'm kidding. I'm messing with you. Give, give our tech team right here. These guys are amazing. They, you know what? We have been here since 6 o'clock this morning. I'm jacked up on coffee right now, so y'all better hang on. And spun it out. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But we, uh, we've been here since 6 o'clock this morning. These guys have been setting up this whole band. I mean, they're doing a fantastic job, right? Doing a fantastic job. And, and we're having fun. My wife told me this a minute ago. She's like, this is just fun. She's like, this truly is a highlight of my week. She didn't say that when I woke her up at 5 o'clock this morning. But a couple cups of coffee later, she's okay. But this was the point where Jesus' identity had been revealed to the entire world. And John has this amazing privilege of, of in, in this, this moment right here, where he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This thing. Um, it must have been one of those times. Sorry, guys. Ugh. I can't help it, dude. It jumps and wraps around my ear and stuff. It's weird. Oh. I didn't know that. You didn't tell me that. John the Baptist had this amazing moment in his life when he was able to present to the world who Jesus Christ was. Can you imagine that for real? Can you just think about it? It could have been one of those moments in his life that was completely unforgettable. I mean, he has the opportunity. He had to feel like, you know what? I am so important to God. That I get to do this, that like God, he, that God chose me to baptize him, to, to present him to the world. Like I am, I'm so humble. I am, I am so unworthy of this, this awesome, amazing moment that I get to do that I'm, I'm presenting to the world the Messiah, right? I get to be the one who introduces to the world the Lamb of God. What an amazing moment that would be in his life, Right? I'm the one that gets to identify Jesus Christ as the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. But then you fast forward. You fast forward past this amazing moment 16 months later. Okay? You fast forward 16 months. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Okay? How many of you got your Bibles? Come on, get your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, whatever it is you got. We're also on the YouVersion app. I know we say this every week, but isn't it cool to dig in your Bible and open it up and just follow along? Amen? Amen? Come on, somebody. <laughs> You're in church? You're in church? Open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 11. 16 months after he identifies John the Baptist, of, uh, after John the Baptist identifies Jesus, who he really is, John the Baptist is in prison. He's behind bars. He's in chains. He's being, he's being uh, locked up. He, he was in prison because he preached a message to King Herod that King Herod didn't want to hear. John the Baptist comes up and he says, it's not right for you to marry your brother's wife. King Herod had married Philip's, his brother's wife, Herodias, and John the Baptist had preached to him that it wasn't right and they were living in adultery. And I want to tell you right now, if you're going to preach against adultery, you better be ready to have your head on a platter. Amen. So he's preaching to them, and the Bible says that, that King Herod in, had, had John the Baptist imprisoned. And Herodias, his wife, 
was, was angry and bitter because John the Baptist had humiliated her openly and in public. Okay? So he had humiliated her. And one night, she gets Herod really, really drunk at a party. And to show you the perversion that was going on here in these times, um, she brought her own daughter out. Herodias had brought her daughter out. And I'm sure she was probably scandally clad. She was, you know, barely, barely dressed, provocative in her dance. And, and, you know, she's doing all this stuff. And, and she must have had moves that were amazing. Okay? I, I'm, it's, what, it's, I'm, it's what the Bible says. <laughs> she must have had moves that were amazing because whatever she did in that dance... It so pleased the king, right, that what, whatever it was she doing, it had so pleased the king that he turned in his drunken stupor and he looks at her and he says, what you have done has pleased me so well that I will give you anything you ask up to half of the kingdom. Right? That's what he said. So she goes out to her mother, Herodias, and Herodias has her, has her answer immediately. She said, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. Right? Okay? She said, I want John to bapt his head is on a platter. And now John is in prison right here in Matthew chapter 11. He knows the clock is ticking. He has a very, very short time that's coming up. He, uh, he knows that, that, that he's going to die. He's already um, prepared to be beheaded. Okay? He's in chains. He's behind bars. And two of his disciples come to visit him. Okay? And he sends his disciples out and he says, I want you to go find Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 2. It says, and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and he said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Think about that. Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, he said, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Amen. Come on. And as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is he whom it is written, Behold, I send a messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before me. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, that there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. So John sends these two disciples. He sends these two disciples out to to go find Jesus. And he says, I want you to go ask him. Go, go find Jesus and ask him, does he not know that I'm in prison? Does he not know what's, what's going on and what's, what's about to happen to me? Does he not understand that I'm about to die? I'm in prison and I'm about to die. Ask him, is he the one? Look at verse 3 right here. Look at verse 3. It says, ask him, is he the one? He says, are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? Listen, John is the one who identified him as the Lamb of God who takes away the world. But now that his circumstances have changed, he's starting to second-guess himself. He says, are you really the one? Are you the coming one? Or do we got to wait for another one? 
Right? He just identified him 16 months earlier as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But now he's asking him, like, are you really the one? Like, am I, I, come on, amen. When your circumstances change, do you begin to kind of question? When stuff happens, like, God, wait a minute. Was that really you? Are you really the one? It's what he's saying. Are you, are you the one? The Bible says that those two disciples rushed to where Jesus was. He was, he was in a little village, and he was performing miracles, and, and, and he was doing all this. The blind were seeing. The lame were walking. The, the lepers were being cleansed. It even says that the, ra- the, the dead was even being raised. Right? So, so they go find Jesus, and Jesus ignored them. He ignored them. If you, if you read it in, in its context, he didn't even pay them any attention. He didn't even recognize that they were there. If you read that in its context, he didn't even pay them any attention. It says that he ignored them. All day he's just performing miracles. And at the end of the day, you can see that, that Jesus turned around and I can almost see him like with a little attitude like, well, you're, you're still here? Right? Read it. And he turns and he, he looks at him. He's like, wait, wait, you're still, wait, you're still here? Right? He said this. He said, you tell John in verses four through six. Look at this. He said, you tell John the things that you have heard and seen. You tell John that the blind are seeing, the lame are walking, the lepers are being cleansed, the deaf are hearing, and the dead are even being raised. And then tell him, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. That's what he said. He said, you tell him, blessed is he who's not offended because of me. And the key to this whole story that I want to preach to you, the key to this whole story that I want to preach to you this morning is verse 7. It says, as they departed, everybody say, when they left. When they left, say it again. As they departed, when they had left, the Bible says when they departed, they had already left. And Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning, concerning John, he, he, the, the disciples had already left. The two disciples were gone. And Jesus turns to the multitudes. He turns to the people and he said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Jesus turns to the multitude. He turns to the people and he begins to, to talk about John. He begins to preach to them about John the Baptist. You follow me? He begins to, to preach to them about how great John was, how outstanding John was. He's talking to them. He even paid him a great compliment. He paid John a great compliment that the two disciples never got to hear nor did John ever get to hear. Amen? Follow me, follow me, because that's what I'm preaching on. Be encouraged. The greatest encouragement you never heard. Come on. John never got to hear it. It's the greatest encouragement that you never heard. Mm. The disciples didn't hear it. John didn't get to hear it. The crowd, the multitude heard it, right? The multitude got to hear it. The crowd got to hear it. Jesus was preaching to them, but the disciples and John never got to hear it. They weren't there when he said this. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. The disciples weren't there. John never got to hear this. Of all the men born of woman, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. And can you imagine the encouragement that would have given John? If he would have heard that, if, if they would have just taken that message back to him, right? If they would have been able to go back and say, John, 
Jesus is in this village, man. He's doing all kinds of miracles, and he's doing this. And then right in the middle of it, John, he stops, and he starts talking about you. Amen? He's, he's talking about you, and he said, he said, there's no one born of woman greater than you, John. But he never got to hear it. Can you, can you imagine how that would have helped John deal with what was going on? in his life, how that would have helped him deal with the chains and the bars and, and deal with the guillotine that was coming. Amen? That he's, 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 he's getting encouraged by the, can you imagine the encouragement and the strength that that would have, the mindset that it would have given John? That Jesus says there is no one born of woman greater than you, John. He's facing what he had to face. If he could have just heard those encouraging words but he didn't get to hear them. He didn't get to hear them, right? He began to brag on John in such a way. And I'm gonna preach to you this morning the message that John never got to hear. Hey man, come on, I need some more enthusiasm than that out of you. I'm gonna preach to you this morning a message that John never got to hear. Okay, hey, come on. Even if you're behind bars, if you're in a prison of pain, if you're held up by chains of difficulty, if you're locked up spiritually in a prison of addiction, even if you're trying to get free from your failure and your guilt and your condemnation. Come on, y'all. The first point I want to preach to you, to encourage you this morning, the first thing I want to tell you to encourage you this morning out of this story is if John would have heard those words, if he would have been able to hear what Jesus was saying to him about him, if he would have been able to hear it, I believe he would have picked up three thoughts. Number one, you're doing better than you think you are. You're doing better than you think you are. Turn to somebody and tell them you're doing better than you think you are. The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren in Revelation 12.10. That Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So if hell is the accuser of the brethren, I'm here to tell you I want to be a complimenter of the brethren. Amen? I want to be a complimenter of the brethren. Jesus Christ loves you. And I know you may have issues, but you are doing better than you think you are. Amen? You are doing better than you think you are. Somebody needs to know today you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Somebody needs to know that you're, you're doing all right. You're doing all right. You may not be what you ought to be, but you ain't what you used to be. You're doing better than you think you are. You're doing better than you think you are. And you're going to get there by God's grace. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. Don't do it. I'm telling you. Don't keep putting yourself down. You're doing better than you think you are. I'm telling you. An old preacher said this one time, listen. He said, I'm going to tell you how to go to heaven. And I'm going to tell you too this morning. Just keep going. Just keep going. Come on. Tony's on. Just keep going. Come on. Don't ever stop going. That's all you got to do to get to heaven. Just don't ever stop going. Ecclesiastes gives us 28 times. That there is a time and a season in life. 28 times. 
I, come on now, listen. It says there's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time, there's a time to love, to laugh. There's a, there's a time to cry. There's a time to dance. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to gather. There's a time to, to release. There's a time to separate. There's a time. To, 28 different times in life. But the one time I can't find in there is the time to quit. I'm telling you right now, there is no time to quit in your life in this book right here. There's no time to quit, ever. Don't give up. If you keep going, that's how you get to heaven. Tell somebody there's no time to quit. Tell them. You don't know what people are going through. You don't know what prison they're in. You don't. You don't know what's happening in their life. You don't know what depression. You don't know what fear they're battling. You don't know what financial load. You don't know that someone near you may have cancer. You don't know what's going on. You might have, they might have just got the worst diagnosis they could ever imagine in their life. You don't know what's going on. But the word of the Lord to you today is you are doing better than you think you are. <laughs> Hallelujah. You are doing better than you think you are. Jesus, come on. You may have bars and chains, but you're still blessed. Amen? You're still blessed. If John would have heard that in that prison, if he would have heard those things that, that Jesus was saying about him to everybody, if he, if he would have got it, he, he, would have, he would have rattled those chains and started praising God in that prison. He would have been like, yeah. I'm telling you. And I want to give you a message that John never heard. Giving you a message he never heard. You're doing better than you think you are. You're doing better than you think you are. Well, pastor, I've got cancer. I'm a single mom. And I'm running out of money. I'm, I've got all this going on. I've got an addiction in my life that I, I keep trying to kick. And I, I just can't get over it. I can't get over it, but I can't. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to tell you this morning that you're doing better than you think you are. Well, how do you know that I'm doing better than you think I am? Because you're listening to me preach. Because you're sitting in church this morning. That's why you're doing better than you think you are. Because if you were as bad as you think you are, you wouldn't be in church this morning listening to a preacher preach at you. You wouldn't. Something in you says, even if I fall, I'm going to fall forward and I'm going to keep running after God. You're doing better than you think you are. I'm telling you. And if I fall, if I fall, listen, beat the accuser to the throne of grace. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He wants to beat you through the throne and throw mud in your face. That's what he does. And what I've learned is when I mess up, I dust myself off. I get up and I run to the great, run to the throne, and I beat the accuser to the throne. You're doing better than you think you are. Can we give Jesus some praise this morning? Because you're doing better than you think you are. Don't you quit? Don't you give up? Well, how do you know, Pastor, that I'm doing better than, than I thought I was? Because because you ain't in a drug house? Because you ain't in a funeral home? Amen? Because you're here this morning, you, you ain't... Listen, you know what it takes? It takes 72 muscles to smile. 
It takes 108 muscles in your face to make a frown. Why don't you get lazy and be happy? Huh? Look at somebody and say, you need to get lazy and smile. Why don't you get lazy and be happy? <laughs> be encouraged today. I'm tired of the devil discouraging people and beating them up. Amen? I'm tired of it. I'm saying to you today that there is a God who loves you this morning, and he's bragging on you. You may not even know it, but God is bragging on you, and you're doing better than you think you are. You're doing better than you think you are. If you believe that, can you clap your hands and give God some praise in here? Amen. You are doing better than you think you are. Thank you, God, for your grace that will never let us go. Amen. I'm telling you. I wish John could have heard this word, but you get to. Amen. I wish John could have heard this, but you get to. You get to hear it. You get to hear the message that John never got to hear. Listen to this. Second point. You matter more than you think you do. You matter more than you think you do. See, there's an amazing scripture in Isaiah 41. Look at this. Isaiah 41, verses 6 and 7. It says, it says everyone helped his neighbor. Tell somebody you matter. Can the rest of y'all do that? Tell, turn to somebody tell them you matter. Come on, we're going to talk to each other this morning. Everyone helped his neighbor and said to his brother, be of good courage. So the craftsman encouraged the goldsmith. He who smooths with a hammer inspired him who strikes the anvil, saying, it is ready for the soldering. Then he fastened it with pegs that it might not totter. I want you to catch that part right here. I want you to catch it now. The scripture said that the, the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. The goldsmith encouraged the guy who had the hammer. The guy who had the hammer encouraged the guy who had the nail, right? And, and they're, they're just encouraging one another. They're encouraging one another. And they're saying, you matter. You matter. No, you matter. You matter. And they're just sitting here and encouraging one another. And, and they're doing this. And the reason was they didn't, that they, they didn't want anyone, did you catch it? To totter. To totter. The word totter, listen, means to wobble, to stagger, to fall down. God doesn't want anyone wobbling or staggering. Amen? God wants everybody in this room to be able to stand up. He wants everybody in this room to not totter. That's what he's saying. And sometimes a little encouragement from a neighbor or, or sometimes a little bit of encouragement from a friend is like, you're doing okay. You're doing good. I want to tell every parent that's in here, how many parents do we got in here? How many parents do we got in here? Oh, man, I want to tell you all right now, that you matter more than you think. Sometimes we get discouraged trying to hold our, our families together and trying to, you know, do this and do this, and, and it's discouraging. And, you're, and then you sit there and you're like, man, what, you're doing all this. And sometimes it feels like, what, what am I even doing all this for? What does it even matter? Right? Come on, y'all. What difference does it make anyway? But I've come to encourage you that no matter what's going on in your life, that you matter more than you think you do. Amen? See, and what happens is when we go through these, these prison experiences, and what I mean is you know, when we're engaged in trials and tribulations and bad times, 
we get to putting ourselves down and just thinking that we don't matter. Like, I, I, I don't care. Nobody cares about me. Like, I'm, I'm in jail. I'm a drug addict. I'm a, nobody cares. You get in your, your head and, and you start thinking you don't matter anyway. Right? I'm sure John thought that in prison. Jesus, he's, he's out here doing miracles and, and he's doing all this. And John's sitting there. He's probably sitting there thinking, I like, mean, I don't even matter. I'm in here about to lose my life. I'm about to get my head lopped off. And he don't even care. I don't even matter. But you matter more than you think you do. I'm telling you. You matter more than you think you do. Even Jesus Christ needed encouragement. Right? Just think so on. Okay. I don't ever know, Scotty, what's going on with you, man. <laughs> Even Jesus Christ needed encouragement, guys. Listen, listen. When he went to the Mount of Transfiguration, the Bible says that Moses and Elijah came down. The Mount, look, at, look at Matthew 17. Look at Matthew 17, verse 3. Moses had, and Elijah had come down to talk to Jesus about his death. In Matthew 17, 3, it says right here, And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him talking with Jesus and, and, and you know why? I believe Jesus was starting to totter. I believe he was starting to totter just a little bit. Do I really matter? Am I really making a difference? Is what I'm doing? Like, like do, I, do I really need to do this? Can I tell you that Jesus was human to the core? He was God, but he was also man. He was human to the core. He prayed. He prayed, God, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. I think he was starting to totter a little bit. Are you following me? Even Jesus needed encouragement. Because when you get in the, in the thick of a storm and, and in a battle, you get to questioning everything. Right? You do. You start questioning things. You start, do, do, I, do I really matter? But you're doing better than you think you are. You're doing better than you think you are. And you matter more than you think you do. In Matthew 17, it said that they had talked to him about his death. And, and I, can, I, can, I can see Moses right now, and he's saying, Jesus, listen, listen. He said, I had to die for everybody to make it into the promised land. He said, I had to die for them, for them to enter into the promised land. And, and, and it was because of my death that they got to go in. And then I can see Elijah, you know, coming down and... And he's talking to Jesus, and I can see him sitting there saying to Jesus, that's right. He said, I had to be taken up in a fiery chariot, you know, for, for the double portion. He said, I, I would have had to have been taken up. Uh, uh, and then Elisha, Elisha comes down, and he did double the miracles that I did. He said, but I had to be taken up first before the double portion would come, right? And then suddenly Jesus gets encouraged. He gets encouraged to, to walk this thing out. He gets encouraged to go to the cross. He gets encouraged to do what it is that he's called to do, Amen. Y'all following me? You need to understand that you matter more than you think you do. Jesus said of John, listen to this. He said, he said, he said how important, how important John was, and, and he never got to hear this encouragement. Look at Matthew 11, verse 11 right here. He says, of all men born of woman, there was none greater than John the Baptist. He never got to hear that encouragement. And I wonder who's in your family right now, who's in your life, who's in your world, who's thinking about suicide or, or thinking about giving up 
are feeling like they're down are feeling like they're beat up right now. And what difference does it make anyway? I don't really even matter. I don't even, I've messed up my life. I've messed up other people's life. I don't even matter. I'm not worth nothing anymore. But boy, wouldn't it be something if they would just hear a little bit of encouragement? If they would just hear what John never got to hear? The people that are in your life and you just let them know that you matter. Just a little bit of encouragement that, that there's, there's great possibility and, and you matter to me. That you matter. Wouldn't it be great to share that with them? You, you've, you've made an impact in my life. Listen, don't you dare come to my funeral and weep and cry. Come on, y'all. Don't come to my funeral and weep and cry and, 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 and tell me how much you love me. Show, why, why, show me while I'm still breathing. Amen? Don't come to my funeral and start weeping and crying and, and never show me any appreciation while I'm alive. You matter more than you think you do. I'm telling you, tell somebody, tell me while I'm breathing. Tell me while I'm breathing. Tell them, I love you too. Tell them while they're breathing. Amen? Come to my funeral, weep and cry, and tell me how much I meant to you while I'm dead. Tell me now. Tell your neighbor you matter more than you think. Tell them, tell your neighbor you matter more than you think. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, other neighbor... Say, other neighbor, you matter more than you think. Come on. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I'm telling you, you matter more than you think. Amen? Third point, lastly, right here. It's less about you than you think. What? What? It's less about you than you think it is. Come on, y'all. This is the message John never heard. It's less about you than you think it is. It's not all about you. Some things happen in our lives, and there's another world. Guys, there's another viewpoint. There's another, there's another thing that's happening. There's, there's something else that happened is taking place. It's not all about you. It's not all about you. John's in that prison and he's thinking, it's all about me. It's all about me. And, 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 but there's a greater thing. Jesus is thinking it's all about the kingdom. Amen. He's thinking that, that, it's, all, that it's all about the kingdom. Look at Psalm 23. I want to show you this. Psalm 23, starting at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness, right? Don't that sound great? Don't that sound like it's all about you? Huh? Don't that sound like it's all about you, all about me, all about me, all about me? But why? Say it again. They didn't hear you. For his name's sake. It's less about you than you think. Come on, y'all. When you get born again, look, he leads me beside the water. He restores my soul. He leads me on the path of right. But why? It's for his name's sake. It ain't for you. It's less about you than you think. When you get born again, listen, it's awesome. When you get saved, it's awesome. When you get baptized, guys, listen, it's awesome. But as great as that is for you here, 
Come on, it's less about you than you think you have a father in heaven that's looking down at you saying, ah. It's less about you than you think. Come on, y'all. You have a cloud of witnesses in heaven. You got loved ones in heaven that are looking down at you. And, and the Bible says when, when one sinner repents, it says all of heaven rejoices and goes berserk with screaming and shouting and all that. It's less about you than you think it is. The Bible says that one sinner, the whole heavens are rejoicing. I thought about Adam and Eve. It's funny because my wife's been in, we've been in the car a lot driving and and we was talking about this the other day. This thing, I sweat, and this thing just slides right off the back of my head. I know I'm going to start wearing this thing. I'm going to strap it on here. And don't judge me. I'm just telling you. We're going to have to figure this thing out. I don't know if I need one of them lapel mics, Pastor Dustin. He's like, somebody clip on right here that don't sound. Maybe. It's so weird to think. It slides right off. I'm Slippery. Slippery. Praise the Lord. Can we give Jesus a hand clap right now? Can we do that? Do y'all love the Lord in here? So my wife and I was driving to Mississippi, and I was telling Tara, I said, Tara, you know, I think about Adam and Eve when they sinned. Why didn't God just wipe them out? <laughs> so morbid, pastor. <laughs> Listen, but why didn't God just wipe them out? We was talking about it the other day. I was asking Tara, I why, Lord, why didn't you just start over? Why didn't you just say, okay, well, they messed up. They're broken people. They're just two people. That was it. They're just two people. Start all over. Try again. God is not into replacing damaged goods. God is into repairing and fixing damaged products. Amen? Come on, you can do better than that. God is not into replacing damaged products. God is into repairing damaged products. Y'all ain't hearing me. Y'all ain't hearing me. I'm going to say it like I want to say it. God is not into replacing damaged marriages. God is into repairing damaged marriages. Amen? Hey, I'm telling you. Say it like I want to say it. Can you hear me? The past is the past. I'm telling you now, if you're in one, I'm saying to you, you serve a God who doesn't want to replace you. He wants to fix you. And it's less about you than you think. Less about you than you think. It's all about him and his cross and his sacrifice. Amen. I story the one day there was a man, he was on, he was on the side of the road and, and his car had broke down. And he had the hood up on his car. And this big limousine pulls up behind him, and 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 this man gets out of the limousine and he's dressed from head to toe. He's dressed to head to toe, looks like a million bucks, right? He walks up in his suit and he says to the guy who's broke down, he says, do you need some help? And he says, yes. So he walks up and he looks up under the hood and he's sitting there and he says, I want you to get back in there. He says, and when I tell you, he says, when I tell you to, he said, just turn the ignition. He said, I want you to cut the car on when I tell you to. And he's up there under the hood and he's, he's tinkering with some things under the hood and he did something under the hood and he says, try it. And the guy, tur you know, turns the car on and it, and it starts up immediately. And the man said, my goodness. He said, how did you do that? And he said, how much do I owe you? And the man said, you don't owe me a thing. He said, well, why would you in a limousine, you look like you're, you're very well off. You, got, you know, you got it all together. He said, why would you help me? He said, my name is Henry Ford. 
He said, I'm the creator of that car you're driving. He said, and it really bothers me to see one of them broke down on the side of the road not doing what I created it to do. It really bothers me. And I'm saying to somebody listening to me this morning that God's not going to replace you. God is going to fix you because it bothers him to see you not living the life that he created you to be living. Amen? It bothers him to not see you living the life that he has created you to be living. It's less about you. It's less about you. Your father gets great joy when he sees you overcoming. Your father gets great joy when he sees you walking in victory. Your father gets great joy when he sees you living the life that he has created you to live. It's less about you than you think. Job didn't know what was going on. Job didn't know what was going on. He never heard the encouraging words. He didn't know that there was a conversation up in heaven. He didn't know. Right? He lost his family the day he lost his wealth and, and his family, his kids, and he lost his ticket. He didn't understand. He didn't know that there was something going on in heaven. What he didn't know is less about him. He didn't know that it was, it was less about him up in heaven. See, there was a conversation between, between God and Satan. Right? He didn't know about it. He didn't know about it. God, God said this. He said, have you can... Have you considered my, my servant Job? He was bragging on him. He's bragging on his servant Job. He's like, have you considered my servant Job? Sometimes we think when we get in prison and chains and, and, and tough circumstances and adversary, we, we, adversity, we don't think that God loves us. It may be that God is up there bragging on you and you don't even know about it. Maybe that's why you're going through something. Have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered him? God said, he doesn't serve me because of, he doesn't serve me because of, and I can hear Lucifer saying, well, anybody can serve you. Look at him. You got a hedge of protection around him. Who wouldn't serve you, God? You got all this stuff. You give him everything. He's in, he's in a perfect environment. Who can't live for you, God? And God said, you couldn't. God said, you couldn't. That's why I don't let the devil beat me up with condemnation because I remind him, you couldn't even live for God in heaven and I'm living for God down here on earth. Huh? You couldn't live for God up in heaven when there was no sin and there was no devil and I'm living for him down here with sin everywhere. I'm doing okay at it. I'm not the best. I'm just telling you now, I struggle. I don't let the devil beat me up with condemnation over that. He couldn't even live for God in heaven when there was no sin and there was no devil. Come on, I'm living for God when it's all around me. And I'm going to tell you when I stumble, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to beat him through the phone. Hey, amen. Come on. Somebody shout and say that it's less about you and it's all about him. It's less about you and it's more about him. You're going to beat him through the throne. And Job... God says, he didn't serve me because of. He didn't serve me because of. He serves me and worships me in spite of. Tell him. He said, he, didn't, he don't serve me because of. He, he serves me and worships me in spite of. 
And it's one thing to worship God because you got a nice house. And you got all the stuff. You got a nice car. You got, you got everything because everything's good. And, and because all your people are blessed, that's wonderful. But it's another thing to worship God in spite of. To worship God in spite of your trials and your bars and your chains and your tribulations and your heartbreaks and your tears. And when you do this, when you can praise in pain, when you come on somebody, when you can lift your voice and say that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, when you can do that in adversity, I don't praise you because of, I praise you in spite of my hardships. You're worthy of praise, God. In spite of everything that's going on in my life. I praise you because of, it's not about you, it's about Him. Amen? Come on, somebody. It's not about you. It's about Him. It's about Him. Stand to your feet for me. I'm here to tell you a message that John never got to hear. A message that John the Baptist never got to hear. You're doing better than you think you are. Amen. You matter more than you think you do. And it's less about you than you think. Can I tell you Jesus loves you? He loves you. He loves you so much. Thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. If you're struggling this morning, I want to pray for you. Because you matter more than you think you do. You're doing better than you think you are. 